great hymn for this time of year. Great is thy faithfulness. We'll sing each verse of that together. Let's worship the Lord together. The first. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father.
his word. Amen, amen. Hallelujah. Amen. You may be seated. Praise the Lord. Man, I love that line. All that I've needed, your hand has provided. Oh, praise God. So good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Happy Thanksgiving to everyone this week. I know you're preparing to your turkeys and your, I prefer ham or steak, if you need to know that. And uh, dressing and mac and cheese, you know, just things like that. Cranberry sauce, anybody with me? A couple of you? If you don't like cranberry sauce, say something wrong with you. I'm just going to tell you that right now. So a uh, happy Thanksgiving to everybody. And uh, there'll be no midweek service this week. I just want you to enjoy your family this week. Uh, also, I normally don't, but you know, I saw online that today is Adrian Waite's birthday. Where's Adrian at? Is she even here? She's here. She's somewhere. All right. Well, never mind. That was a major fail. Um, but I do have my mother-in-law, Donna Johnson, and it's her birthday today. She's here, and Brownie Points Equal Biscuits. Brownie Points Equal Biscuits. Happy birthday. Anybody else have a birthday this week? That's right. I did that today as well. Miss Anderson, who's with us today, she had a birthday. Sharon, happy birthday to you. Anybody else while I'm on the roll? Brad Mickler, our own drummer, had a birthday. Wow. Awesome. Am I missing anybody else since I'm on a roll? I didn't plan on taking 15 minutes of the service today to do this. Just thought it was a quick mention. All right. Anyhow, Operation Christmas Child deadline will be today, so I hope you brought your stuff to get boxed up. Thank you for participating in that. I promise you this is a great work, and all the boxes are gone, so I take it that, that we, we got them done. So thank you guys for helping with that. Also, we'll have another uh, meeting for Gap Hill Choir. If you're interested, on December the 5th, that's going to be immediate, immediately following service. I'll give you more instructions straight down this hallway, that door, but we got a couple weeks for that. Also, Adopted Families Christmas offering will be today. Pastor, do you mind putting it down there, just the middle way there? I'm, I'm going to let you guys bring it if you want to. Now, I know a lot of you, including myself, a lot of us gave last week, and so thank you so much for that. We have a couple of families we're going to be helping um, through this Christmas season, four kids and one. Then there's another need that we're helping with a family that, that needs some assistance. And so that's exactly what this offering is going to go towards. So if you were unable to give and you want to give today, I've, I've got this plate here. You can come drop it in, and we'll make sure it goes to that purpose. If you want to give online, you can do it on Gap Hill uh, Missions uh, on our church page. And it's uh, Standing in the Gap for Missions, and you can give online, and we'll know what it's going to as well. So we're going to play music here in a minute. And I'm going to pray and we're going to play some music, give you a moment to, to give. You can do it online, like I said, or you can do it here. And uh, we appreciate your giving. God's really, really going to bless us for this. I know He is. Continue prayers for Bonnie Moody. Hey, Bonnie, it's good to see you today back there. Praying for in, in, um, continued strength and improval for you. Also, for Miss Ada Ease, I think she was hoping to be here today, but to my understanding, Margie, uh, her daughter-in-law lost her sister to COVID last night is what I was told just this morning so that may have something to do with that but let's remember that family in prayer along with all of those that have lost loved ones especially during this holiday season father today we want to thank you for your mighty name thank you for your power Jesus there's nothing that you cannot do today we pray for the request that we've given in first and foremost that you would bless bring healing emotionally physically spiritually 
today in this house. Let them know that they are loved. Father, we thank you for our givers today. Thank you for those that have faithfully supported this church through the years. Thank you for those that have faithfully given to Operation Christmas Child and also to the adopted families this Christmas. It is more blessed to give than to receive. And so we thank you for those that have participated in that. Father, would you bless them today in Jesus' name. Father, bless this service. Let the will of God be done. Let your name be glorified in the end. Amen. Amen. Go ahead and play a song for us. And um, you can come give or pastor can sing while we give. Yes, if you'd like to go ahead, if, if you poured name to last week, now's the time to go ahead and bring it up. We begin singing. Lord, we lift you in this place right now, oh God. Let's stand together if you'd like to. Lord, we lift you up. We magnify you. We thank you for your blessings. Hallelujah. And I don't always get to see, but I will believe it. Yes, I will believe it. And you make mountains move, and you make giants fall, and you use songs of praise to shake prison walls. And I will speak to my fear, I will preach to my doubt. You were faithful then, and you'll be faithful now. Thank you, Lord. Aren't you glad he's faithful today? Amen. We are standing on your word. Thank you, Lord. We're calling heaven down to earth. We'll fight our enemies, and this will end in victory. And we will believe it. Yes, we will believe it. You make mountains move. You make giants fall. You use songs of praise to shake prison walls. And I will speak to my fear. I will preach. Thank you. 
will preach to my fear. I will preach to my doubt. You will think for them. You'll be place right now, oh God. Touch, heal, bless, save, strengthen, oh God. With your spirit, I pray now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We lift you up. We magnify your name, oh God. Hallelujah. Lift him up, church. He is worthy. Lift him up. Glorify the Lord, church. He is worthy. Hallelujah. We bless your name, Lord. We magnify your name, oh Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, God, for your presence, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 You are here. You're moving in our midst. I worship you. I worship you. You are here. Working in this place. I worship you. I worship you. All I sing that to him. You are here. You are here. Moving in our midst. I worship you. Yes, I worship you. You are here. Do your work, Lord. You're working in this place. I worship you. I worship you, you are way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are, you are way maker, miracle worker. 
sing it again. You are a way maker, Lord. Way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God. That is who you are. You're my way maker, Lord. Hallelujah. Way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God. That is who. you, Lord. I worship you. You are here, healing every heart. I worship you. I worship you. You are here. You're turning lives around. I worship
that Rich says, even when I don't see it, you're working, even when I don't feel it, you're working. I was raised Church of God. I love Church of God. And feelings are important. Feelings matter. But faith has nothing to do with feelings. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I feel bad sometimes. I don't feel like doing this sometimes. But God is faithful. He has promises. Amen. Hallelujah. Even when we don't see it, He's working. Even when we don't feel it, He's working. Hallelujah. Thank you, God, for your promises. Thank you for your word. Lift Him up for His word now, church. He is worthy. Hallelujah. We bless you, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Even when I don't see it, sing that. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. You never stop. You never stop working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. You never stop. You never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. You never stop. You never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. You never stop. Oh, you're my way working. My way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. You're my way maker, Lord. Way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. worship today. Can we give them a round of applause? Thank you guys for your efforts and hard work to make sure it happens. I may throw that at somebody if you don't take it. I'm going to preach to you a word that I preached over two and a half years ago. All right. A lot of you weren't here, so a lot of you won't even um, remember it. And I got to thinking, I'm like, Lord, it wasn't that good, you know. But today I'm drawn back to it. This happens to me periodically. I'm normally, I normally don't do this, but um, today I am going to. And I want to talk on a subject that I hope will just stir us all the way from the top of the head to the sole of our very feet. And that is a sermon entitled Pursuing the Glory. Now when you look up the word pursuing, pursuing means to follow after. 
Another word for, or another definition for the word pursue means to try to catch something. Y'all remember playing tag as kids? The purpose of tag was to catch the other person. So what you do in essence and theory is you chase after them until you catch them. So if we can put that into a spiritual concept today, when I say pursuing the glory, that's what I'm talking about. Chasing after it. I've got to get to it. No matter what it takes, I've got to get to it. So I'm going to chase the glory. Let's go to Exodus chapter 33, verse 13 through 15. I'm going to do verse by verse analysis. Shave just kind of follow along with me, friend. I promise you I won't be too hard to follow today. Now, therefore, I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, this is Moses speaking. He says, show me now your way that I may know you and that I may find grace in your sight and consider that this nation is your people. And he said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then he said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. If your presence doesn't go with us. There is one thing we all must know in order to continue our Christian walk of faith. We have to know that the presence of God is with us. You know, I heard somebody not too long ago say that without the Holy Ghost, I wouldn't even go to Walmart. Come on, somebody. I mean, I know I've got to have him with me. And as things go bad and you're driving and you get in what you'd call a shady side of town and you get out your car to pump out the gas and you're looking around your shoulder on every corner waiting to see what monster's going to jump out and get you in a world like that, you've got to know that the presence of God is with you. Because when the presence of God is with you, it makes all the difference in the world. When the presence of God is with you, we read stories of preachers and pastors' wives retired and in their elder years and people walking out trying to take their pocketbook, their purse, and their wallet from them and, and pulling a gun and shooting at them and, and a little Bible from the Gideons is right here and the bullet doesn't even get into the skin. That's what you call having the presence of God with you. It makes a difference. It's when you're driving down the road and the Holy Spirit pricks your heart like you did mine before and says, slow down. There's something ahead to which you slow down and you hit a deer. It doesn't even kill the deer. It doesn't really seem to hurt the deer. But when you get home, you know you've hit something because that little white fuzzball of a tail is stuck in the corner of your hood. That's called the presence of God being with you. So today, if you're trying to walk a journey without knowing that the presence of God is with you, I encourage you today to make sure He's with you. Because at some point or another, you're going to need Him to be there. And the thing that I was thinking about is this God that I serve, He is known as an omnipresent God. There's some things that make God God, all right? There's a difference in God. There's a difference in the devil. And there are three simple things that we could say about God that are attributes. We can say he's omnipresent. All right? That means he is everywhere at one time. 
The devil cannot do that. So if you think the devil was on your shoulder talking to you this morning, it probably wasn't the devil. It was probably a demon. It was probably one of those angels of darkness. Because the devil only can be one place at a time. This is what makes God, God. And different from the devil. So God can move here and move in Afghanistan right now at this very moment in time. And he can be both places. While Satan has to go to Judas in the middle of the night and possess him so that he'll betray Jesus Christ. You don't very often see the devil. It's his demons that are around you trying to discourage you. Come on, somebody. Not only is my God omnipresent, he is omniscient. He's all-knowing. And then lastly but not least, see, the devil doesn't know anything more than what you tell him. See, we often tell the devil, when you talk out loud and you let they hear you, you are telling the devil some intel that he doesn't need to know. So oftentimes we talk ourselves out of miracles, talk ourselves out of blessings because we let the devil hear it all. And he takes advantages of our weaknesses and our infirmities and then he attacks. My God is also omnipotent, meaning that he is all powerful. That means there is not anything in this world that God cannot do. I was listening to Jeremiah the other day, and he said, Is anything too hard for the Lord? To which God responded to Jeremiah and said with another question, He said, Jeremiah, is there anything too hard for me? I'm telling somebody, he's omnipotent today. There is nothing that is beyond his capabilities to be able to do for you, even right here in this service this morning. The devil doesn't have that. So God is everywhere. He is the composite of everything that exists. He is both the glue that holds it together. He is also, amen, every piece of the puzzle, if I can say it that way. In Psalm 139, verse 7 through 9, this is what David said. He said, if I ascend to heaven, he said, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, you are there. He went on and said, if I were to try to take wings like a dove, and if I was trying to fly away from this place, anybody ever wanted to just get away? You want to get on a plane and fly away? David said, if I could get wings like a dove and I could take off over, over the ocean, I'd leave this world. I'd leave Jerusalem behind. I'm going to the Bahamas, baby. He said, even if I did that and took the wings of the morning and I went on the other side of the sea, he said, even there, your hand is still with me and on me. Well, I want to tell you something today. I don't want, I may want to get away from life, but I don't want to get away from God. I want God's hand over me. I want God's direction in my life. So I'm not trying to get away from Him, but even if I tried to, I couldn't do it. That's why when you have people that don't know Jesus and they constantly try to want, run away from God and they wonder why it keeps coming up. Why in the back of their mind something keeps saying, come to me. All you who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you the rest that your soul desires. I mean, why is it that people, they say, man, I'm hungry for something. I need God to change my life. I mean, there's something missing in me. And then God comes by and says, that's me. That's the Holy Spirit that is touching you and, and trying to change your life for the better. So even when people try to run from God like Jonah did when he ran away from Nineveh to Tarshish, God said he got on a ship, but guess who met him at the ship? 
God met him at the ship. What I'm telling you is if you try to run from God, you might as well stop it right now because God is everywhere. You are not going to get away from him. He's going to knock on your heart's door until you finally say with the old hymnal, Lord Jesus, I surrender all. This is a God that is everywhere. Yet even though God is everywhere, there are times that he chooses to make his presence known. I call them those special moments, right? Anybody ever had a special moment with God? Does anybody know what a special moment is? A special moment isn't just we went to church, heard a good sermon Sunday. A special moment is when God comes so close to your heart, He just engulfs you. You don't care who's around, what's going on. It is a special moment. It is a Jacob fighting against an angel that says, let me go. I will not let you go until you bless me. It is these moments that God and man connect. And there's nothing in the world that can replace a moment like that. You know, I, I, oh God. When I was at Newry, I remember, you know, having, having a service one time. I can't even remember. I think it was a revival. But I remember in that service, the Spirit of God coming. I remember I wasn't just praying for people around the altar. I laid on the altar myself. And I remember people, I remember looking up from the altar and people had left, right? People leaving. There's just a few people there. Didn't shake hands that night. I didn't have time to shake hands. I was in His presence. I mean, there's Mary and Martha, and one of them's running around trying to shake hands and be friends and trying to cook and, and take care of everybody. But there's another Mary that says, you know what, I'm just going to sit at the feet of Jesus. It is those kind of moments that God lets you know even when you feel like He is not there. It is God showing up saying, wait a minute, I have not left you, I have not forsaken you. Just come sit at my feet for a little while. It is driving down the road when all of a sudden you pray and begin to praise and the tears start flowing and it's God saying to you I am still here you may not think I am you may not feel like I am but even when you can't see me I'm still working when you can't feel me I'm still working God wants you to know he is there and so before you begin anything whether it's a ministry a new job I don't care what it is there is one important question you have to ask and that is is God in it Everybody with me? Is God in it? All right? When I, my best friend told me one day when I, we were teenagers, he said, I'm called to preach. I look at him, oh, no, you don't, might not want to be called to preach. Is God in it? To which later on in life he figured out God wasn't in it. He never did it, right? What I'm telling you is that's a question I have to know. I have to know if God is with me. Verse 16, let's roll. Verse 16. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight except you go with us? So we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. I want you to grab this. God, if I'm going to get into your glory, are you ready for this? If I am going to get into your glory, I am going to have to accept the fact that I am not always going to fit in the crowd. Did y'all grab that? He said, now, we're going to be in your glory, but there's going to be a separation from us and the other people. 
So I have to accept the fact that if I am truly going to get into His glory, that there's going to be a separation. And I'm not going to always fit in with the crowd. That is why cancel culture takes people that they find that are getting into the glory and they cancel them because they don't want to hear that. It's because they've been separated from that group. They're living in the glory. And I've got to understand that not everybody's going to like me if I'm walking in the glory. Not everybody is going to shake my hand and pat me on the back and say, my gosh, you're doing a great job. Because not everybody feels that way about me. Nor do they feel that way about you. Because they're anti-God. They're anti-church. And so we must understand that if we're going to be in His presence and we have to accept in His glory, we will not fit into the crowd. I remember being called Pentecostal folks, holy rollers, crazy fanatic, pew runners. Does anybody remember those days? Sometimes you won't fit in with the crowd. Verse 17. No wonder God said you would be a separate I'm going to quit. Verse 17. So the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing that you have spoken. For you have found grace in my sight and I know you. I love this verse. I know you by name. I, I, just, I just had to add that verse. I mean, I really don't have anything to preach. But man, I'm just glad God knows who I am. So, if we were to go to the tabernacle, there would be three courtyards that we would come to. To enter each level, you had to be a little different than the normal crowd. You understand? So there, there's this, this, this type of holiness. There's this type of, of, of repentant heart. That you have to have in order to enter into these levels. So in essence anybody could go into the outer court. Alright? What that means is that sinners and saints alike. Could be in the outer court. Everybody understand that. This is elementary. I'm bringing elementary stuff. So we can all be together, right? In the outer court. But the outer court is not where the glory is. Nod your head if you know what I'm talking about. All right. Does it not seem like many in the church today that we have created this environment that even in the church we're just in the outer court? Is it fair to say that we have created a church culture that almost saint and sinner can come together and it seems as if that we just blend right in? Have we created a church culture to where there is so little of separation from the church and the world? Is, is everybody still with me? You belong in the outer court. That's what God said. So, so the saints, the sinners, you can come to the outer court. And, and, and this is that group that says don't push Jesus on them, right? Let them find their own spiritual journey. They'll find their way. How can people hear except there's a preacher? And how can the people know the truth? I'm just quoting scripture. And how can the people know the truth unless the preacher actually gives it to them? So don't give me this thing where God's just going to leave. We're going to get on our spiritual journey. We're all slower levels and this and that and the other. No, 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 no. We all got to be chasing after the glory. We've all got to be pursuing to get to the place where His glory is, where His glory hovers over us. So you got your outer court and then we're going on in. If you wanted to go into the inner court, you had to do what they call wash yourself first. And when I say wash yourself, I literally mean they would begin to wash their skin. So you had to take a bath. Is that all right? 
You had to clean up. Why? You are getting closer to the glory. And the sinner can't live in the glory. Lukewarm Christians cannot stay in the glory. It's, it's, oh. And so we are washing, we are bathing. This is a process that the blood of Jesus does for all of us. He takes all the sin that we had in us and through his blood he begins to wash us and to cleanse us. And now let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we can obtain mercy and find help in our time of need. The blood is washing us. The water is refreshing us. So I guess we could say that it is at this moment in the inner court that we are going through a process we don't talk about much. But I guess we would call it sanctification. We're getting cleaner. We're not perfect. We're not a perfect church. We're not a perfect people. But we've washed in the blood of the Lamb. We are striving to live every day to the best of our ability. We are getting closer to His glory. Now, when you get on into where the glory is, there's a place that is called the Holy of Holies. Now, I'm going to read it because I don't want to miss anything. You cannot go into the Holy of Holies unless you have fasted a week. This is Old Testament. Washed your whole body. You put on priestly garments. You wave incense offering in front of you. You take the blood of a fresh slain lamb and you rub it on your earlobes. You rub it on your thumbs and you rub it on your big toes. Come on, somebody. And then if that's not enough, you get down on your knees and you begin to crawl under the veil that separates you from such a holy God. And such a great glory presence. And and so you begin to crawl underneath the veil into the presence of God. We take a rope. We tie it around your ankle. We put a bell that jingles. Because we understand that if you get into the holy of holies and the glory comes down. If you haven't went through the purification and the sanctification and the washing process. Then the bell stops ringing. And we know you have died. In the presence of God. And so we drag you out. He should have stayed in the outer court. <laughs> tried a little too hard. Come on out of here buddy. But it's too late then. He wanted to be in the glory. But he did not want to go through a process. To get there. Listen it clearly caused something. To experience God's presence. And glory in such a way as this. You just don't casually. Walk into such a place of anointing. Oh, so, so in Psalm 100, I love this. I was reading it just the other day. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. He said, for you know that I am the Lord. See, let me show y'all something here. In Psalms 100, and I'm not going to read it, but there are three courts. We see the outer court that represents the place of the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost. In verse 1 and 2 is what we will call the outer court. It is at this place that he says, let us make a joyful noise to the Lord. Let us serve the Lord with gladness and come before His presence with what? With singing. 
So in the outer court, we can sing songs of praise together. The saint, the sinner. We can come together. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. So he didn't say you had to be saved to do it. You got to be filled with the Holy Ghost to do it. He said, you just praise my name. I've given you breath. So even the rocks cry out of his glory. Even the birds and my aggravating dog that barks all the time is giving God glory. We have to understand that God deserves that praise. Even if it is coming from a sinner with unclean lips. So God says, you're in the outer court, you can do that. So let's enter into it. Let's sing these songs. But, but what I have a problem with in the outer court is all that the outer court does is produce what we'll call a pile of spectators. Anybody know what a spectator is? Now, I'm a sports guy and I'm a participant. Some days, if y'all want to go out here to the gym and let's play a game of hoops, until my knees blow out, I'll play But until they do, buddy, I'm going to give it everything I got. I may walk off the court injured, but bless God, my team's going to win. Right, Brian? I'm a little younger than you still. Remember that. This guy will get out here and do it too. But there's one problem that I have with the sideline. And that's that I have to spectate. I don't want to be a spectator. See? And so outer court people get satisfied with spectatorship. And it bothers me when you have holy... Can can I go here today? Am I? When you have Holy Ghost filled people that we never see them in the glory place. We never even find them in the inner court. The only place we ever see them is on the outside looking in. You are missing out on some of your best days right now, ladies and gentlemen. If you're on the outside, God is calling you, especially if you are born again. He's calling you into the inner court. And then He wants you in the holiest place. His glory wants to engulf your life. Listen to what I'm telling you today. But there's too many that are content in the outer court. But then we move into the inner court. This represents the place of the sun. Now, most people stop in the inner court. Do you know why they stop in the inner court? Because the inner court means you have to participate. Because when we go down to verse 5, or verse 4 here, he tells us, in verse 3 rather, he says, know that the Lord, He is God. It's He that made us and not we ourselves. But this is what He says. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. And His sheep hear His voice. And they will not hear another. His sheep listen to his voice. And so now we are not only spectators. See, the reason people like outer court is because they don't have to do anything there. The reason people like outer court is because they enjoy seeing other people get blessed. Well, let me tell you something, honey. I enjoy seeing you get blessed too, but call me stingy if you want. Sometimes I want my blessing too. I used to pastor people, and they talk about, man, uh, I, you know, I don't, don't think I ain't taking an in back here. Well, I'm enjoying this. I love seeing them other people getting blessed. And I'm sitting here thinking, my God, you're like the man of a, the pool of Bethesda that just sits here year after year and watches everybody else get a miracle, and you just sit right here till Jesus comes. Not me, honey. I'm going to get up, and I want to get in the water. I want to get to where the glory is. 
So, 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 so here we have this transformation, this change. He is over us. There is submission to your will, not my will. And then we enter into the Holy of Holies crowd. And they don't just want to get into the gate. They want to see the glory. Thanksgiving gets you in the outer court. Praise gets you to the inner court. But the only way to enter the Holy of Holies is to literally bless His name. When John Piper wrote of this, and I've got a note, he said here bless probably means to joyfully announce all these good things about God. The people that get into the glory, it is not ritualistic praise, all right? It, 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 because we just do it at Church of God's, right? It is not a praise because it's the right thing to do kind of praise. It is not a praise because somebody can see me kind of praise. And I'm afraid that if I don't praise, they're going to think I'm an awkward person. I'm not saved if I don't praise. I'm afraid of what other people are going to think of me kind of praise. This is not what the Holy of Holies does. It is not the pastor said, lift your hands and give God glory. It is not the pastor said, give God a hand clap of praise. But it is joyfully with all of your heart and you are glad to do it. To bless His name. And I want to testify of the goodness of God and everything He's done for me. These are the people. That are going to the holy of holies. Verse 18, Chevy. And look at what he said. Please. Somebody say please. Just please. I mean, it's kind of like for you husbands. When you look at your wife, say please stop spending money. <laughs> That's right. It's when your wife looks at you and says please. Just take out the trash. And you look at them and say, that's what we had kids for, right? Please. Please. It, it is a moment of almost, I won't call it begging, but it is a cry of desperation. When someone calls you on the other end of the phone and they say, could you please help me? And you know in that moment, man, this is serious. It's a moment of desperation. When Moses finds himself nearing the glory of God, he has looked down at the outer court and they're dancing around with their false god Baal and they're worshiping a golden image. There's others that have tried to move in closer, but the lightning of God strikes the mountain because they're not clean enough to get close to this glory like that. And so even that crowd has to back up. But Moses is crawling up a mountain and he says to God, God, would you please? Please, a cry of desperation. If there's anything in my life that I want, I want to see the glory of God. Would you show me your glory? I would to God in 2021 that a group of church people would start crawling under the veil and get into the presence of God and say, God, please show us something we've never seen before. Show us your glory. See, understand with me, the anointing and the glory are two different things. You will understand that the anointing is like oil. 
how good and how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. It's like the oil that ran down the beard of Aaron the priest, even to the foot of his garment. The oil represents the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. The anointing is the oil that when it rests on human flesh, everything starts flowing better. Now, oh God, now I'm going to tell you all something. Byron's a mechanic. I'm not a mechanic. All right. But I'm smart enough to know because my mama, even though she was a woman when she was living, she climbed up in. I've seen her on top of motors working. She wasn't afraid to get her hands dirty. And so I watched her a little bit and I learned a few things here and there. But I don't claim to be a mechanic. But there's one thing I do understand. As long as the oil is flowing through the motor, things are going smoothly. Come on, somebody. But once the oil is taken out, you drive off with that baby, guess what's going to happen? You're going to have smoke and it ain't going to be the glory either. It ain't a glory cloud. It's a, it, my car just blew up cloud. But I'm telling you, I understand that it is the oil that makes the car run smoothly. And I want somebody to understand, we need the anointing of the Holy Ghost. We need the oil to flow to us, our human flesh. Because whenever the anointing flows to us, everything flows better. The singing goes better when the anointing shows up. The music sounds better when the anointing shows up. The preacher preaches better. Once the anointing begins to flow, the service that you're in begins to go better once that all when you look at Esther and the illustration of Esther she is a lady that had to literally soak herself in perfumed oils to get into the king's chambers I was studying this just yesterday morning and I found something it's in the Bible I just never really grabbed it she spent one year of soaking to prepare for one night with the I'm going to say it in layman's terms. Esther soaked in body oils for one year, rubbing it all over her skin just to come into the presence of the king for one afternoon. I need somebody to understand. We take coming into the king's presence so lightly. What would happen if we, the Christian, if we, the church, would want say, I can't go into the king's presence until I bathe in the oil. I cannot go into the king's presence until I've been in my prayer closet and the Holy Ghost has flowed on me. I can't go into the king's presence until I've got the anointing on me. I'm not going to the king's presence to get the anointing. I'm going to the king's presence to be in the glory. So what if we had this mentality that we prepare before we get into. I mean, no wonder some services are so hard to crank up. Nobody ain't been soaking in oil. So we pump and we prime. And come on, y'all, let's wake up today. Anybody got any coffee? Y'all keep on, I'm going to start serving in the church to get you going. I mean, what in the world? It's because we haven't bathed in His anointing. But when we bathe in the anointing, the anointing is not contingent upon whether I'm in church or not. The anointing is something that flows every day of the week. So when I'm at work, I'm walking in the anointing. When I go to church, I'm already. Is everybody still with me? In the anointing. 
so she searched for one year. See, grab this. The anointing is good and all, but the anointing only takes you to the king. It is not the full glory of the king. The oil, the anointing, just got her into his presence, but not the full glory. Wow. So that means you could think of the best moment you've ever had with God, and it's a drop in the bucket to the full glory of the king of kings and Lord of lords. Go ahead and play. I've got, I've got to quit. Verse 19, let's go. Then he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you, Moses. I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. Verse 20, but he said, you cannot see my face. No man can see me and live. And the Lord said, here is a place by me, and you shall stand on the rock. I love that. There, there's so much implication there, but I can't. So it shall be while my glory passes by, that I will put you in the cleft of the rock and will cover you with my hand while I pass by. Can you? Now, now, some of us, we're reading this, and we're like, man, this is like a Cinderella fairy, fairy tale story. But this thing really happened. Can you imagine it? I mean, Brian, can you imagine being in the presence of an almighty God? And you're talking about, Brian, my glory's about to pass, but your hand, I'm going to block it right here. This is my hand all over you. It's only the hand of God. It's only the hand that said, be a moon, and there goes the moon, and he throws out waters, and he just, only those hands. Only the hands that everybody he touches is healed. Everything that he touches that is broken is mended. I, that's the only hand that is. I mean, no big deal, right? I'll take away my hand and you shall see my back. But my face you shall not see. I'm going to show you the back. Oh, God Almighty, I'm just happy to see any of it. The glory of God was in what we'll call the Shekinah cloud. When you look up Shekinah glory, Shekinah is not a Hebrew word. It's not a Greek word. It's not an English word. It is a compound phrase. It never appears in the Bible. Never will you find Shekinah glory of God. But throughout many of the writings during the time of the Torah, the priests began to write in their literature to the people that the way they described the cloud, that it was a Shekinah glory. No word for it. There's no explanation for it. Anybody know when you're in the presence of God, you can't explain it. It's like you should have been there when I prayed through it. You should have been there when God showed. It's a shakana. I can't explain it in English, Hebrew, or Greek. It's just a glory cloud. All right. And what shakana literally translates to is means the cloud has rested. All right. Exodus 40, 34, and 38. And I'm going to pray in close. Then the cloud covered the tabernacle of meeting, covered it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. There's nowhere you can't go that the glory cloud isn't around, right? And Moses was not able to enter the tabernacle of meeting. I was driving the other day, and it was so cloudy outside. It made me nervous. Like I, I literally like rolling down my window and I'm like, you know, I'm like, I can't see the cloud. And I just I just have a moment and I thought, man, that's what it was like in the temple. He's trying to walk to the pulpit. He can't even get to it. All he sees is the cloud. 
because the cloud rested above it and the glory of the Lord had filled the tabernacle. Verse 36, whenever the cloud was taken up from above the tabernacle, the children of Israel would go onward in all their journeys. But if the cloud was not taken up, when they, then they did not journey till the day that it was taken up for the cloud of the Lord was above the tabernacle by day and fire was over it by night in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeyings. You can go back to my title screen. I am done today. Let's all stand in the presence of God. Hey church, let's pursue the glory. We aren't going to take one step unless the glory of God moves us forward. So to pursue the glory is to follow after the glory. To try to catch the glory. To chase after it. It is a David that says, just like a deer pants for the water brook, my heart and my soul is panting and longing and chasing after you. So today I simply ask you a question. We can settle for coming to church And feeling a little bit of the anointing. Everybody with me? That good feeling. Oh, man. Got a drop of oil on me. Praise God. Hallelujah. Or we can chase after the glory. Because the glory hovers. The tabernacle has a cloud of glory over it. So when you enter in there, it is not just God showing up and giving you a a good altar service. It is from the moment you even walk on the ground, you recognize that a holy God has infiltrated this parking lot. It is when you go to walk into a door and before you even come in, you can already feel something inside of you. The glory of God is what we need. We don't need just an anointing and a kick. What we need is God to dwell in this house, inhabit this house. Because when that happens, miracles happen. Change happens. Things that were impossible happen. All right. How many of you in this house today want to pursue His glory? Then come on and chase Him. Come on, grab your mic, sing for me. Come chase Him. Who wants it? Come chase Him. The altar's open. I want you to chase His glory. Chase His glory. Don't be content in an outer court. God's got more for you than that. God's got more than that for you, child of God. Oh my God. Hallelujah. Oh, Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God. That is who you are. Yes. That is who you are. That's who you are. Yes, that is who you are. Come on now. That is who you are. That is who you are. You're my way.
That is who you are. That is who you are. 